And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. So, uh, Doc Manson, at Doc Manson. Yes, DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. What is a Twitch and why are you doing it? Well, a Twitch is typically some sort of small and involuntary body movement that can affect various appendages or parts. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, why are you broadcasting your twitching to the neighborhood? Oh, 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 oh. You must be referring to Twitch.tv, which is a website. Sure. Which is a website where people play video games live. And people can watch them playing those video games instead of playing video games yourself. I tried that once. What? It, it didn't end well. That's not true. <clears throat> did you well, Twitch? It wasn't live. No, or did you, I, you did no, it on YouTube. I, I did PS4 share via YouTube, and it didn't end well, and I don't like to talk about it. But um, it's one of my I favorite don't know things if I can, to talk about. I know. I'd, I'd like to point out that I helped you because I went and watched one of them, and I couldn't hear you. So I actually told you that I couldn't hear you. I would like to right point away, out as soon as I discovered the problem. I let you know. I didn't wait till you had accumulated 20-something hours of content with epic stories and, like, deep personal insight. No, I told you right away. I would like to amend this narrative, that this false narrative that you are putting forth. I am fairly certain that I also told you about this. I think I sent you a Twitter DM or something. I was like, is there not supposed to be any sound and you just never responded. And admittedly, I only watched, like, the first video. And I didn't keep watching, so I didn't know that you went on to do this for 20 hours until there was 20 hours. Um, but I actually think I did tell you. Well, regardless, <laughs> it hurt. <laughs> Regardless, he says. <laughs> uh, welcome back to DDT Wrestling, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the show where we talk about a little bit of everything. Uh, so you are twitching. You are yeah, I mean, if you want to watch me uh, play video games, check me out. Twitch.tv forward slash Doc Manson. Is that only for PC games? Um, no, it's for all sorts of things. I think PS4 and Xbox can live stream directly to Twitch as well, or you can do it through a TV with a capture, I'm sorry, through a computer, if you have a capture card. I don't have a capture card, so at the moment, I'm just streaming PC games, but you are capable of streaming to Twitch with other services. You don't play, consoles. you, I don't remember the last time you played a console game besides perhaps Red Dead Redemption. Um, I've played a few Xbox One games, but not too many, not too many. Um... So tell us a little bit about Portal Knights. What is it? Because I, when I watched, I watched for a few minutes, and I couldn't make heads or tails out of what you were doing. Uh, Portal Knights is basically Minecraft, except it, it's like Minecraft crossed with The Legend of Zelda. 
sort of. So you've got an actual sort of quest that you're doing as you're going through this fully destructible voxel world just like you would in Minecraft. The crafting perhaps is not quite as deep and the building component probably the same. I haven't gotten too far into it to say for sure. Um, but you're capable of doing all those same sorts of things um, except you're also progressing through levels and there are boss levels and things like that as you're you're trying to... Um, put back together this world. I don't think the story elements necessarily are that strong yet. This game is in early access. I suspect a lot of that is still content yet to be made. But again, there is a progression in this game. You are in a level. There are enemies there. You collect these portal fragment pieces from them. You're able to combine those into this block that you're able to... Um, once you finally search around the level, you'll find a portal, and these portals have like this incomplete structure where you have to take these portal blocks and fill up the center of it with them, and then that opens the portal to the next level. Um, so that's basically what I'm doing thus far. Um, you know, it's enjoyable. Do you prefer to play early access games to fully formed and released games? Um, it's not so much that I have any desire to play early access games, incomplete games, if you will. It's not that, that. It's just that most, I think, smaller games, indie games, go through this program now. And I'm more inclined to play those games than I am AAA games. So the ones that come out from the big established publishers. Um... You can only play so many first-person shooters before you're kind of like, okay, this is the exact same game that they have been selling me for the last decade. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't, I can't play Call of Duty anymore. I can't, I can't get into the next Battlefield game. I, I don't care to play those online shooters and go through that progression and unlock your gear and your kit and just play like. I've been doing that for so many years in my life, this exact same game with the exact same formula. And yeah, they change it up a little bit year to year, but I just, I don't care about that anymore. I just don't. And so as I start looking for other experiences, invariably, you know, big publishers are only making those big games, those types of games, those genres that they know sell. And that's fine, except, like I said... I'm sort of sick of first-person shooters. I'm sick of online first-person shooters. Um, and I just, I'm just i sort of just looking for other things, I guess. Survival games are the big thing now. And even those, honestly, I'm getting kind of sick of. Um, you know, these crafting survival games. This Portal Knights is sort of like that. But the nice thing about Portal Knights is it at least has a very interesting combat system um so there's three different classes you know archers wizards uh, melee warrior type and they craft different types of weapons and their spells and things like that and you know the the combat's actually a little more engaging as opposed to you know back when i played minecraft it was just you run up to the thing and you beat it with your sword until it falls over or you do first pretty much. But here, you can actively dodge out of the way. You have to learn. Each enemy has a different sort of pattern, a different attack, so you have to learn their attack to actually dodge out of the way. It's almost sort of like a Dark Souls idea, although obviously way more friendly <laughs> than something like that. Um, so, you know, it, it's engaging to play, and um, 
It's just different. But again, as I was saying, I am sort of sick of this whole survival experience. Uh, I've been playing Seven Days to Die now for, I don't even know, three years, four years? And that game is still in early access. And honestly, that is like the ultimate survival game, if you ask me. The building is top-notch in that game. The, The enemy is actually sort of interesting yeah it's just zombies but compared to minecraft where they all just seem sort of i don't know one note the thing with with the survival in minecraft is i never really felt like anything was challenging in the regular world i mean maybe once you got to the end or the nether or whatever like that maybe got a little different but even still i didn't really find that engaging uh the way i find seven days to die to play but like at this point, when I look around and I look at all these other survival games, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, this is pretty good. A lot of them are early access. They're not complete. But if I want to spend time playing a survival game, I might as well just play Seven Days to Die because that game is so feature complete at this point. Even though it's not feature complete, they're still actively adding major systems to that game, as I talk about every time. But, I mean, I just feel like I'm getting into that same rut where I feel like I've been playing this same type of game for so long and in that case, okay, survival games, yeah, there's a lot of them out there, but I feel like if I'm going to play one, I might as well just play the one I already own. You know what I mean? Um, that makes total sense. But, That's why I keep coming back. That's why I bought, bought Skyrim Remastered. That's why I'm continuing to play Skyrim Remastered, even, even though those I games. a new character every two days. I'm sick of Skyrim. I'm sick of those open-world Bethesda RPGs. I'm sick of the jank. I'm sick of how they can't seem to make those games bug-free. I'm sick of how... They, they can't seem to put together, you know, a real cohesive experience. I mean, don't be wrong, it's big, it's sprawling, it's impressive. And, you know, Skyrim was very impressive when it came out five years ago. But I feel like they have to do more than that. And frankly, I mean, I'm a little against the special edition of Skyrim for multiple reasons. Bethesda recently came out with a very, very anti-consumer policy when it comes to um, early release of reviews and things like that. And frankly, I'm not sure that I can really support them as a publisher anymore, given the the entire situation around um, their policies. So I I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, all right. So then help me out here, because... You know, your first-person shooters are all too similar. Your survival games are all too similar. Now you're talking about the open-world RPGs being altogether similar. So is it that is it a personal thing with you, or is it that there is some new form of video game that, you know, are we waiting for the virtual reality? Are you going to get the, you know, Oculus Rift? Is that what's going to be next for you? you I know? doubt it. What, I mean, when you look at those of... games, they're entirely too simplistic. I mean, you can't even really move around in them outside of, like, teleporting and warping. And I understand the technical limitations and, and you know, the physical limitations of your body and in, in perceiving movement in a virtual reality environment and why they don't allow that at this point. But that technology, I don't think, is fully baked yet. Uh, I think it's very interesting, but I don't think it's worth the $1,000 buy-in that you need um, to have that experience. So, you know, is it just that you need to try a new game? Is Doc Manson going to be twitching some sort of Madden 2K17? Well, that's the thing, right? Sports games, you know. No, I don't like sports games. The only thing I can think of is maybe I need to start playing some racing games or something like that. But even still, I don't really care for those either. I just feel like I guess I've played too many video games. Maybe I'm just reaching a point in my life where I'm done with video games. I don't know. They just, they don't, they don't 
interest me that much. Um, which is all the more reason why you should totally watch my Twitch streams and watch me play games. No, I don't. I don't know. I just I have had that struggle. I haven't played that many games recently, so I thought I would maybe try streaming it. Maybe if I could build up a little bit of an audience there, have some chat, have some interaction. Maybe that would give me a reason to play a little bit more. And I will I say, watch, I would watch you play Seven Days to Die. I'm just gonna say, like I haven't played it myself, but I would watch you play it. I'm th- and I, I'm thinking about it. Uh, last night I did. Try to stream a little bit of Seven Days to Die. I, not, I didn't try to stream it. I, I put the stream up, and I was just testing the settings because I, that game is a little more CPU intense. I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to be able to run it, the, my usual graphics settings, and also stream it without causing hitching. And I'm definitely, I saw some poor image quality on that stream that I, I have to definitely troubleshoot some of that before I can um, stream that game. But hey, I guess it's just a good reason to invest in a new gaming PC, right? <laughs> well, it, and I guess my question, you know, obviously you've talked you've talked to me and, you know, about whether or not you're done with video games for a while, but just in the sense of open world was a new thing. You know, I don't remember a whole lot of open world games back in our day, air quotes. I mean, really um, the first one that you can point to, in my opinion, mainstream anyways, would be like Grand Theft Auto 3. That was probably the beginning. Yeah. Well, and so what I'm wondering is, you know... Not to say there that- weren't... Not to say there weren't open games before GTA 3. Don't send me in a correction. I know all about the earlier ones. It's just that was, I think, the first mainstream one. Go ahead. So my point is, you know, is it just that video games need to evolve into something else? You know, cause, because... You can play any number of open world games, and you know obviously that's going to need to continue. And the ex- you know I know GTA Five was huge because literally the world itself was gigantic, in which you could go and jump out of planes, you could go and do all of these sorts of things. But I'm just wondering, in terms of the future of video games, where can they go next to make it interesting for? people like yourself because you're obviously you know while you don't have oodles of disposable income you would be an ideal you know market for them in these you know long time gamers lifetime gamers who you know would devote time and energy into sorts of things so you're more into this than I am in terms of reading up on video games and listening to gaming podcasts have you heard any indication as to what the future is besides virtual reality which I think is like you said years and years away where are, where are video games going i think i think they're going exactly where they are um but at the same time like i said that that high end experience that triple a has become so highly polished so samey if you will yeah it's mainstream and it sells but i just can't be interested in it anymore i think the industry as a whole, and you're already seeing this. I'm not, I'm not saying anything new or insightful here. The industry as a whole is only going to be moved forward by these smaller game developers, by these independent developers who are coming up with more experimental games, different experiences, you know, different methods of input and experiencing the gameplay. That's where the innovation is going to come. And you you talk about what's the future? What's VR? I mean, VR is a different medium as far as I'm concerned. You have to do very specific things. I'm not even sure video games are meant for the VR medium so much as other things maybe are. Um, 
I just, I don't know. I don't think it needs to evolve. I don't think video games needs to become this other thing. I do think, however, they, like I said, they need to innovate the creative experiences that we as players have. There needs to be something different. And I'm not seeing a whole lot of that. But again, uh, I do play a lot of these early access games because I see something in them. Like Portal Knights, okay, sure, it's just another Minecraft clone to some extent, but having that more in-depth sort of progression to it, that that sort of like Legend of Zelda style thing to it, um, I think helps a lot. And I've actually, I mean, the last weekend I've sunk six hours into Portal Knights, and I know that's not a lot, but at the same time, that's way more than I think I've sunk into anything else recently. So, um... Yeah, I don't know. All right. I know that, you know, <clears throat> I'm realizing that we also have to talk about Thanksgiving, so we just might not cover wrestling on this show, which is fine. Everyone else did it already anyways. But um, I know that, you know, the game's changed with the advent of, you know, smartphones and tablets and, you know, Candy Crush became all the rage and Those things aren't, like that. I mean, it's a different sort of game. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, uh, the mobile games are a very different sort. I'm not going to say they're not video games. I'm not going to come off no. as some sort of elitist like that. But they are very different types of games, typically. But I'm, I am thinking of our very tall mutual friend. Oh. And forget his, 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 you know, most recent thing, which is this Marvel Champions whatever. And by most recent, uh, you mean he's been playing it for the last two freaking years. Well, but still, I don't hear him talking about playing PC games, and he's never been one for console games, but <clears throat> he's playing this game all the time, and now he's got a three-year-old, and so the three-year-old is, you know, they're kind of learning about the superhero world through the game, but that, you know, this is, next to you, this is probably the gamiest gamer I know, and he's... He, um, I mean, it's interesting that you say that. He's really never been a big gamer, as far as I'm concerned. I mean... You say he wasn't into consoles, but if anything, I would say he was very much a console gamer. Um, he was the one in college who had the PS2. He was the one who had a GameCube. Um, you know, in terms of his PC gaming, all he really played, if you remember, was originally StarCraft. Then he played World of Warcraft for years. And then he played StarCraft Two. Rift. I mean, he played a couple other MMOs, but he never really got into much mm-hmm. else. He was a very, I don't mean, and again, I don't mean this in, the, in a negative or derisive way. I just mean he was a very casual sort of PC gamer. Um, he w- And I don't mean to say console gamers are more casual. I'm coming off like a PC elitist here, and I don't really mean that. But, but everyone, there is, everyone who's listened to this show knows you're a PC elitist. So I know, but at the same time, I'm just saying. There is a lower level barrier to entry in console gaming. That's fine. It makes it more accessible, makes it cheaper, makes it more easier for a larger audience to enjoy. Historically, that's been the case anyways. I think PC gaming is becoming more accessible, which is great. Um, But, you know, I think that's a good thing. But I think, honestly, his involvement always was at that level. He was never going to gaming sites. He was never reading the news. He was never listening to podcasts. So I'm, I'm not really sure he falls into the same... No, this category. is a reflection on me in that, you know, I grew up, we, I was not allowed to have a Nintendo in my house because my parents told me we did not have enough electrical outlets for me to <laughs> plug in one, and I believed them. 
<clears throat> up until high school. So I came into gaming in high school, and then it wasn't until I got to college that I met my first group of PC gamers, of which you and Tall Guy were kind of the primary ones. So I'm talking about trying to play Counter-Strike on my laptop and just winding up chasing people around and trying to stab them. So, you know, those sorts of things. So those, you know, that's my experience and my perspective. I'm sure there were huge more... I'm sure there are people out there who are bigger gamers than Tall Guy was and are certainly bigger gamers than you even. I mean, I'm barely but, a gamer these days. Yes, you know, you're not spending $3,500 on the up, you know, the newest sort of alien sort of gaming piece, whatever I see online in terms of the, you know, Dell offers the, the utmost in gaming software. Let me stop you right there. Any self-respecting PC gamer builds their own computer. Well, okay, but I'm just saying. You're not... <laughs> All right. Well, we would like to thank you uh, for joining us here on DDT Video Games. Um, all right. So obviously, you know, you're looking for something more. You're searching, Doc Mitz, and you are searching for something more. You have been searching for something more in terms of professional wrestling, which is how you came to Lucha Underground. Uh, Let's let's dive into wrestling, and we can take a break for turkey talk if we want to. Um, Survivor Series. We just recorded a private earful, our NAI Network exclusive show. We've talked about NXT Takeover. We've shared our opinions. Um, I know we want to talk Survivor Series, and I know at some point I think we're going to have a discussion as to your flawed thoughts that SmackDown is a better show than Raw uh, versus my correct thoughts that Raw is a superior brand. But um, what did you think of Survivor Series as a whole? The six-hour, two-hour pre-show and the three-and-a-half to four-hour uh, main event? Okay, starting with the pre-show, let me ask you a question. Why would anyone ever watch the pre-show of these events? The same reason why people watch six to seven hours of Super Bowl pre-show. You put it on in the background. While you're cooking dinner, while you're making your pay-per-view snacks, while you're doing all of those things, it's on in the background. And it leads to great things. One of the best moments as a wrestling fan of the weekend was watching Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho in the social media lounge with Tom Phillips. It was literally probably the funniest wrestling-related thing I've seen in quite some time. Jericho and Owens were just on fire. Tom Phillips gets a lot of credit for not just cracking up. He played along. He did the straight man role very well. You know, it was really excellent, and you would miss it. So, I, you know, I didn't watch all two hours of the pre-show, but at some point I was like, oh, yeah, it's on, and I put it on as background noise, and I left the room and went and did other things and then would come back and watch a bit of it. But um, I guess it you know. is positive to give these wrestlers outlets to do things that are creative that they would never get the chance to do during the show proper. I think that's great, mm -hmm. but I don't need to see four or six people sitting at a desk giving their predictions on the scripted wrestling show we're about to watch. No, you could listen to any number of podcasts which do that, including us, on a regular basis. You know I don't listen to any of those shows. That's true. <laughs> um, Especially but, this one. Wow. Well, why would you need to listen to it when we just... The recording gold is where it is. Um, you know, I... 
I don't need that as much. I don't need them to continue. You know, I see this. This could be your casual wrestling fan who maybe doesn't watch Raw or SmackDown on a weekly basis. And literally, it's once a month. You know, maybe they go over like GQ. He comes over and he might benefit from the pre-show because now, granted, they show you the promo packages before the match itself anyway. And let me tell you, GQ doesn't even pay attention to those. And you and I both know he's exactly the type of fan you're talking about. He does not watch Raw or SmackDown, ever. He does not have the ability to do so. Um, so he comes to these shows, he watches, he has fun. Does he not have the ability or does he not have permission? You say potato, I say potato. All right, just check. But, you know, I mean, he's he's exactly the type of person who, in theory, ought to be interested and maybe seeing the pre-show, seeing those video packages, getting some context for what he's about to see. But he doesn't care about that at all. Hmm. Well, and, you know, it's something, It's you know, people watch it on YouTube, I suppose. Maybe there is a small group of people who would see it on YouTube and say, okay, I'll fork over my $10 to watch this on, you know. It doesn't make any sense for someone who has the WWE Network already and who watches on the regular to sit and stare at the television for two hours. I mean, I had that realization. you really enjoy Jerry Lawler's shirts. I don't. But I had that realization this weekend because I was watching the pre-show briefly and I said, man, why? There's just this giant banner across the screen telling me how to subscribe to the WWE Network to watch the show. And I'm like, why is this here? Why am I... I am clearly already subscribed to the WWE... And, of course, the light bulb went off. And I said, oh, but they must be streaming this to YouTube as well and who knows where else. So this is not aimed at me. The advertisements they have on there, clearly this is aimed at trying to get people to go to WWE.com and subscribe Mm -hmm. to the network. Um, But I got to tell you... In terms of advertisement, I know they're trying to sell the show that's coming up, but I'm not sure those talking heads at the desk are the best way to do that. If I'm, you know, if if you're a wrestling fan, you haven't watched wrestling in 15 years. Let's say you watched it in high school, you got to college, you got busy, you did other things. Now you're approaching 30, and you happen to be on YouTube, and you happen to find it. All of a sudden, you go, hey, Booker T, I remember him. Oh, Lita, I remember her. Oh, my God, Jerry Lawler's still alive? And all of a sudden, you just start watching, and then maybe they, you know, there's enough nostalgia with those three people that maybe they can hook you in. And they're obviously trying to be like an ESPN where they've got their experts, and so Renee Mm -hmm. Young is kind of the moderator, and then you've got your three experienced people, all of whom are Hall of Famers. They're they're very much trying to be like an ESPN-style show, and I don't particularly need it except for the shucky-ducky, quack-quack, whatever it is Booker T talks about. Um, And I'm sure GQ liked it because he's always been a fan of Lita. So... Big fan. But, yes. But besides that... Huge fan. That's awkward. Itty bitty fan? It's more accurate. It's still awkward. Small fan. As he said on our podcast when he joined us... Barely a fan? He's Irish. (laughs) Um, That's incredibly racist. You get... he said it, not me. I'm just repeating what he said, which apparently doesn't make it racist. You are perpetuating the myth, sir. Um, you know, other than that, we got a six-man tag cruiserweight match, and we got Kane versus Luke Harper, because why not? Uh-huh. So, 
All right, but let's get to the the show proper. Uh, we began with the women. I believe the women opened up Survivor Series, and uh, you know, in the end, um, I couldn't even tell you who won. Wow, bra. Me actually, Raw, Charlotte, Charlotte, won. and Bailey were the sole survivors, and then Charlotte, Charlotte destroyed Bailey. Yes, 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 yes. Um, your thoughts on the match? Your thoughts on Sasha Banks being eliminated early? Your thoughts on? Any and all of it. The Nikki Bella didn't even make it. Yeah. She was attacked by a mystery person. Thankfully, Coach Natalia was there to save her. Thankfully. Um, save them, you know. I, I wonder if they'll ever reveal who it was, who the mysterious attacker was. Maybe yeah. we'll find out when we find out who attacked Hideo Itami. Maybe. Maybe we will. Um, that match was fine. Uh, that's exactly the word I would have used to describe it, too. It was fine. And I would say, though... Because it was fine, and it was fine, I would have to categorize it as below expectations. I was hoping for something more from that match. No, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think it's the problem you run into with you've got a bunch of talent who does not... You know, This is the problem when you wind up doing brand warfare is they've spent the last three months not wrestling each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? You develop a rhythm and a rapport with the people on your brand, and now all of a sudden, now granted, they're all professionals, but if you throw Carmella in there with Nia Jax, it's not like they're going to do be able to pull off anything fantastic. So, Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Um, I don't have much else to say about that match. It was fine. I, I The ending was, was weird. I enjoyed... That WWE, um, and you know, people are going to hate me for this, but I enjoyed that WWE kind of just gave the finger to the internet fans by having Sasha eliminated early. You know, the match continued for a while after that. And, you know, then people got all, you know, is Sasha being punished? Is it because she messed up the cell match? All of those sorts of things. You know, I think it just made sense with the story, and now if Nia and Sasha are going to have this little B feud while Bailey and Charlotte are having the A feud, it makes total sense. Um, you know, I enjoyed that Charlotte attacked Bailey afterwards. You know, this obviously is going to these matches are going to be continuing single storylines. You know, they yeah. set up Natalia versus Nikki, they set up, you know, all sorts of things. I guess we're gonna get Unless they had it already, I heard. No, I think at TLC, it's going to be Nikki Bella versus Carmella in a no disqualification match. Great. So obviously Natalia will get involved in some form or fashion, but um, but you know, it, it, like you said, it was fine. I think it was a little underwhelming as an opener, but I don't know why Charlotte would attack Bailey. I would think that as the champion. You wouldn't want to give a potential opponent credibility. You wouldn't want to lend them a justifiable reason to have a match against you for your title. Uh, if anything, you'd think that Charlotte, who you know has been sort of acting as though being in the ring with Bailey is beneath her, you'd think that she would just continue to ignore her. Um, that just seems to me more in line with her character. I I understand that. I think it goes along she wanted to be the last woman standing. 
And so she and Bailey standing side by side puts them in the fans' mind on equal footing. So she wanted to take a minute to establish herself as the dominant female. And so sure, that's that's my guess. That would be my guess as to how that um, how that goes on. Uh, after that, was that the Intercontinental title match? Yes, Sami Zayn versus The Miz for the Intercontinental title. Uh, once again, Maurice getting involved in a creative way, at least, and, uh, you know, allowing The Miz to get the victory. Um, you know, Sami Zayn is not the Intercontinental Champion. The Intercontinental title is not, as of yet, going to Raw. Your thoughts, sir? Doc Manson, at Doc Manson? I mean, they... If nothing else, I mean, this involves this match as well as the cruiserweight match. Um, They did a very good job, I think, of swerving our expectations for the outcomes of these matches. Um, So I'll give them credit for that. The Miz versus Sami Zayn was uh, an okay match, I suppose. I liked it. I thought it was... I, I think Sami Zayn versus Dolph Ziggler might have been more entertaining, but they're really giving The Miz a whole lot of time and star power with this Intercontinental title. So, you know, I, I am all for it in that sense because I enjoy The Miz very much. Um, I, I have to believe we're getting to some... There has to be some sort of culmination to this Miz-Daniel Bryan feud. He would not keep mocking him in the ring and copying his moves. I'm not saying Daniel Bryan's going to get in the ring. But at some point, Daniel Bryan's going to have to get a guy. You know, I seem to recall once upon a time we talked about whether it was Zack Sabre Jr. or something. Unless they're just going to trade him. Unless this is just all heading towards a raw trade. Don't you think they have to do something with this? You're giving me dubious looks, so perhaps you don't agree. All I know is the WWE is notorious for spending a lot of time and energy on building up something for it to go nowhere. What do you think was in the box? Nudes. Vince nudes? Maybe. Stephanie nudes? Possibly. Triple H nudes? Ooh, now we're getting (laughs) risque. All right. um, You're right. They could just drop this, but I I hope it goes somewhere. Um, Because, you know, it... And I don't know what this says for Sami Zayn, and I suppose we don't need to stop and think about it, but, you know, he he gets this title opportunity, he loses, and then he is punished for losing by being squashed by Braun Strowman. I, do you think we're going to get trades? I'm sorry if I keep going back and forth on this and I keep bringing it up, but don't you think we have to have them at some point? I just want to throw out there that... Everyone listening to this show should go to Instagram.com forward slash show me the nudes. Oh, I'm sorry. Show me nudes. S-H-O-W-M-E-N-O-O-D-Z. I think the reason why I said nudes earlier is because this has been sort of an ongoing joke in the Manson household recently. It's... Nudes is the name of an eight-year-old adopted pug. His name is Noodle. 
and the, the owners have this Instagram account where they frequently just have like slow motion videos of this dog like eating various things and I don't know if you're ever in need of a laugh or a good time show me nudes is definitely the place to go on Instagram I was really terrified that you were going to take this show in a direction that I was not going to be comfortable with and I was going to have to just end. ah look at him he's eating that goldfish and it's in slow motion. He just you see like this 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 look on his face as like his eyes go wide and then the his mouth begins to open and the tongue flips out and curls about and he just oh it's it is the most adorable thing in the entire world. And if you're ever feeling bad, um you know, show me nudes is doing is doing the good work. That's all I can say. What was your favorite part of uh your thanksgivings i know you had two of them <clears throat> one thursday one yesterday um, um any single dish that spoke to you hmm, single dish single dish well i would give i've got a tie i think i think i've got a tie um mrs manson brought a sweet potato casserole that was delicious a little bit of maple syrup, a little bit of marshmallow, a little bit of pecan. It was, it was delightful. Um, and then when we visited the in-laws, my in-laws, her parents, um, her father had smoked an entire turkey, um, and that was delicious as well. Um, so between those two. That was probably the highlight of the food at my Thanksgiving tables. How about yourself? Um, let's see. I'll give you a savory and a sweet, because you did as well. I classify sweet potato casserole as a sweet, considering you're talking about maple syrup and marshmallow. Um, there was a stuffing slash dressing that was made with onions and apples and... Hmm. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of celery in there, and I think some cranberry, and that was quite good. A vegetable dressing, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But with, yeah, and then with with some with some apple and things in there, uh, and then uh, my mother-in-law realized that she had intended to buy traditional pudding mix and had instead bought instant pudding mix, and so decided to try to make pudding from scratch, which I believe was just cocoa powder and milk and or something maybe she looked it up but it didn't set necessarily in the same way that pudding did it didn't get the firmness but it was the best tasting chocolate pudding thing that i have ever eaten it was divine so it really did taste chocolatey in a, in a kind of deep, dark way that I very much appreciated. Are you still watching the pug, or are you... He's eating a piece of ham. <laughs> the tongue came out of his mouth, and it's just, like, wiggling in the air, like, licking the ham before he... Before he goes... <laughs> it's so good. You have to watch these. I'm sorry. I was, I was listening to you, but... This this dog man I your, is. I need your advice. I need to know if I committed a, a Thanksgiving foul. Okay. Uh, the the pie the sounded thing, very good. Uh, good pie ish. 
Yes, it had some, you know, we, we wound up mixing it with Cool Whip to make like a moose sort of thing. That was also good. Stop watching the dog. <laughs> closing the window. Closing the window. <laughs> Sorry. You go twitch that. Twitch yourself watching the dog. Oh, man. You know what I learned about this weekend? You, so you know how we've been doing this bit on this show where I'll, I'll, I'll during Halloween, I'll, I'll taste different pumpkin spice things live on the microphone and give my reactions? Yes. There is a thing. It's a whole thing, DC. It's a thing called social eating. Where apparently, like this, like there's channels on Twitch. There's they have like a, this creative category. It's not just people watching video games. It's typically like you know, people painting or they're making pottery or you know. But there, there are literally some channels devoted to social eating. This is, these are people who just eat on camera. I guess they're they're sh- they're socializing. They're sharing their eating experience. Um, and so that got me thinking. I'm gonna start. What I think is the first ever social eating podcast. It's literally just going to be like the episode title will be D will be Doc Eats You know, uh Whatever. Right. A handful of almonds. And it's just going to be me <laughs> eating all you're just gonna to listen to me chewing and crunching on almonds for twenty minutes. I kind of think it'll be like this ambient sound sort of like I I, I like to think that maybe people would be, be able to listen to it and just like you know like, ah and like, like relax and fall asleep and just sort of like this this like this 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 ambient sort of just this I think it'd just be very relaxing. I'm gonna start it. It's gonna be nothing but chewing, um, maybe a, a few satisfied grunts here and there. I'm not gonna review the food like I do on this show. I'm not gonna infringe that gimmick. It's just literally going to be me sharing. My time as I eat all sorts of different items. Uh, Doc Manson prevents, presents social eats. Um, I think that's going to be my next project. I I firmly support it, uh, but I do need your help. Yes, right. you're foul. One of the ha! one of the job one of the jobs I was F-O-W-L. put in charge of foul. was I I got the joke. <laughs> I got the joke. <laughs> Uh, I was charged with extricating the cranberry sauce from the can. Okay. So it was it it was a can, but it did not have. Usually, I'm used to cans which have the removable like it that could use a can opener on the top and the bottom. But in this instance, that was not the case. In this instance, the top had the can opener, but the bottom was kind of rounded, and you couldn't get the can opener in. So I removed the top and I held it upside down and inverted it and gave it the shake and (laughs) no matter how violent the shaking was I couldn't get it out so I then took a butter knife and kind of slid it around the circumference of the inside of the can to try to extricate it and then continue to invert and shake and still Nothing came forth. So then I decided to just take a spoon and scoop it out (laughs) in pieces. And I was told uh, by someone whose opinion I I do value um, that I had ruined the cranberry sauce because she wanted it sliced in slices, not in 
scoops. I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but I'm curious as to your thoughts. I think the statement that you ruined the cranberry sauce is harsh, but fair. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, I was not proud of it necessarily, but I also didn't think it was as huge of a deal as... If my cranberry sauce is not sliced, I'm just not sure I could give it that same Jello Jiggler type experience. And I do think that definitely takes something away from the cranberry experience. Okay. All right. Well, I will make my sure my in-laws to have... made fresh, homemade cranberry sauce. It was the stuff of nightmares. At least you had a smoked turkey. At least I had a smoked turkey. And I would like to point out, I'm just going to say it quickly and then I would like to move on. There was no ketchup being consumed at either Thanksgiving or in the leftovers that followed. I wasn't going to bring it up. I I felt chagrined enough and publicly shamed enough that I just... Des- <laughs> that I just decided I got that good vegetable stuffing... I could put a little bit of the turkey leg that was left over in there. That was enough for me. I didn't even put cranberry sauce in it. It was just turkey and stuffing, and it was quite good. All right. Uh, so I hope uh, the neighborhood had wonderful holidays. Let and, me ask uh, you a question about the holiday. Sure. What are you thankful for? Oh, well. I feel like we need music like Bill Neville has when <laughs> they do things like this. Do, 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 do. Um, I am thankful for WWE Network. Hmm. If we're sticking to wrestling. Well, obviously, first and foremost, I'm thankful for Mrs. Matthews. Okay. And <laughs> That's a little better. From, from middle school, what kind of monster are you? <laughs> I thought we were sticking to it and then okay. realized that, no, that wasn't going to end well. <laughs> so uh, I'm thankful for... Uh, the, the delightful family I got to spend time with. Uh, I saw some friends I hadn't seen in a while. I'm thankful, of course, for Doc Manson and Mrs. Manson and all the times they welcome me into Manson Manor. Even when you leave arms. feeling not so welcome. I, I felt, you know, just loved slightly less than usual. Aww. Part of that was the Chinese food. Never mind. We ate a lot of Chinese food. We did. We ate a lot of Chinese food. We did. Um... Uh, we got Chinese food the other day, and then we came home from the Great White North, and I forgot the leftovers, and I remembered it like as we crossed into the New Hampshire border, and for the most fleeting of seconds, I debated turning around. You should have turned around. <laughs> Driving the 50 minutes back <laughs> to then get it, but... Uh, Alas, it was not to be. It was pretty good General South's chicken. Hmm, that's good. Pretty good. Um... There is an uh, off-topic, but I'm going to forget to tell you. Have you been to Wicked Slice yet? Um, Here in town? Yes. Yes, yes I have. I had a piece, some pieces of buffalo chicken pizza from Wicked Slice. It was quite good. Yeah, we just had a regular sort of pie, but it was um, very good. Yeah, it was it was good. They had all sorts of different... Tall guy bought all sorts of different kinds. There was a pesto kind. There was a... Uh, meatball parmesan kind. There was a I like their potato. Crust. 
I do like their crust as well. That's a big selling point to me. Mm-hmm. I like uh, the crust and I like the pizza. sauce. There's a little bit of spice to the red sauce, which I like. Um, all right. But yes, I am thankful for, for many things. I am thankful for WWE Network and the fact that without it, we wouldn't be doing this podcast because I wouldn't be watching wrestling probably. Uh, what are you thankful for, Doc Manson? At Doc Manson, you better have a real good answer considering you mocked mine. Health, happiness, friends and family, being able to join us in these times. Stop recording. We're going to do this whole show over again. No, I don't care that we're 47 minutes in. Press the damn stop button. We're done. Ah! Knocking over your microphone. Why? Why is it that I knock over my microphone at least once a show? I don't know. I don't understand. It's good. There's too many chords. Yeah. All right. Uh, That was an excellent answer. I know. And very well thought out. And now I'm a terrible person. All right. (laughs) But but we kind of knew that. Um, Do you have anything to say about the Tag Team Survivor Series match? No. I was mad that Brizongo got eliminated early, and once that happened, I really stopped caring about the rest of it. Yeah, I mean, it was a match okay, that no, I can't even look. remember. Don't look. Don't. I look. have to look. Who were the survivors? Don't look. Who were the survivors? Because I didn't. I honestly. Well, you can look because I looked because I couldn't remember who the survivors were either. I remember being very surprised that Chad Gable and Jason Jr. were eliminated early. So who was it? It would have had to have been... I can't even remember who, who, which team won this match. Uh, I'm going to say the Usos. That's what I'm saying. No, they lost, but they were the last surviving members of Team SmackDown. Sheamus and Cesaro. Huh. Yes. The one non-team. Right. Now, granted, they've wrestled them, but... I thought the best moment of that entire match, although they did some cool dives, I thought I think there were some dives that were cool. Um, but the best part of that match was you actually thought they were going to shake hands at the very end, yes, and like actually bond. And then Sheamus did the whole mohawk swipe thing. I was like, oh man, this team has made me care about Sheamus again. Did you and see? I don't remember the- somebody posted this online. It was I guess like Survivor Series. Like two years ago or three years ago, it was basically the exact same thing, except the roles were reversed. Um, again, it was Sheamus and Cesaro, handshake, and Cesaro was the one who did. I did not. And so yeah, it was like playing them side cool. by side, and it was just like this amazing moment of being like, oh man, Sheamus isn't really the bad guy here. He's just been holding a grudge these last three years because Cesaro's the dick. That would be hilarious if Monday on Raw, Seamus had come out and shared it yeah, and been like, this is what it's all been about. I'm good now. We're good. Let's go win those tag team titles. We're even. Let's go. All right. Cruiserweight title match. Brian Kendrick versus uh, his challenger, Kalisto. Uh, You know, SmackDown could have gotten the Cruiserweight division, but it was not to be. The Cruiserweight division will remain on Monday Night Raw. Here's a question for you. The only reason why that's the case, ostensibly, is because Baron Corbin came in and interfered in the match. Yes. It was, I mean, ended by DQ. It wasn't even anything else. 
if you are Shane McMahon, if you are Daniel Bryan, and you have something like an entire division that is hanging in the balance of the results of this single match. This is a pretty big deal. You stand to gain an incredible advantage over your competition, right? Yes. So if someone from your roster interferes in this match such that it destroys your chances of actually gaining that competitive advantage. And again, monetary, competitive, like it, it's a big deal in theory. Wouldn't you just fire Corbin's ass the next night? At the very least, I'd suspend him. Yeah, putting him in a match against Kane just doesn't seem like a measured response. It doesn't seem like a response equal to what was hanging in the balance based off of his decision to interfere. Um, I don't care for that story development at all. I'm, I don't understand, <clears throat> and I'm not sure if we're going to have time to, to delve deeply into this whole Raw and SmackDown thing. We might need to save it for uh, this coming week's show. But um, it... You know, a lot of those sorts of things, and this goes back to the the whole point, by and large, about Survivor Series in general. That was the only match with stakes. The only match with with serious stakes were the Intercontinental title match and the Cruiserweight title match. And both of them ended, you know, dubiously. Refresh my memory. Did Daniel Bryan or Shane McMahon thank Maurice? for helping her save the Intercontinental title for SmackDown? No, in fact, Daniel Bryan said, yeah, you retained, but you did so in a way that disgraced the title and our brand. Which I guess is fair, but at the same time, by and large, if Sami Zayn had won, he would have taken the title to Raw. So the only reason that SmackDown has the Intercontinental title is because of Maurice. So shouldn't there have been something? Shouldn't she get a bonus? Or something. Yeah. Shouldn't. Why do you have to have these <clears throat> ostensibly face or heel general managers? Why can't you have somebody who's actually just there trying to do what's best for business? I know that's a line that gets thrown around a lot, but why can't you just, why can't you have somebody who sees past all this stuff, who's your leader, who's in charge, and says, all right, I don't like you, Miz. I don't like you, Maurice. But you did what had to get done. Yeah. I, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, and even if Daniel Bryan had said, the competitor in me is disgraced with what you did, but the general manager in me appreciates that you kept the title, you you were willing to, you know, do what had to, to be done. keep the title at, at all costs. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's just, I know on NAI Pod this week they talked about how bad wwe storytelling can be and it's just these you know i don't know if it's that they're just so there's so much going on that they don't ever have time to stop and think about it but like you said with baron corbin having to go in there and wrestle kane not near the punishment does not nearly meet the crime agreed um and so, you know, there should have been something, whether it was a suspension, whether it was, we're going to trade you for Raw for the entire cruiserweight division because we do not want, you know, 
you obviously have no brand loyalty, so we're getting rid of you. That would have been something. Um, you know, it's it just, I don't get it. Are we going to get, and I think the answer is going to be yes, we are going to get Corbin versus Kalisto again at TLC. Probably. It'll probably be only be in the pre-show, but that's going to be a match. You know, there's going to be some sort of Intercontinental title match. Ziggler seems to be involved again. They should have taken Baron Corbin. They should have fired him. And then we should have ran the Samoa Joe playbook of him coming back week after week and destroying most of the roster on SmackDown, just randomly running in and saying, hey, you want this to stop? Give me my job back. And you know what I mean? Like, why not? Or you have these two, you know, you had this picture-perfect thing where... Stephanie McMahon needs to punish Sami Zayn. Daniel Bryan needs to punish Baron Corbin. Trade him. Sure. Or fire them both and hire the other ones. You know, it's a little repetitive, but Sami Zayn, you failed to win the Intercontinental title. You're fired. Baron Corbin, you failed to help us keep the Cruiserweight division. You're fired, and you wind up hiring the other one. There's There's so much of this online like interplay between Cesaro and Daniel Bryan because the poster for WWE Europe didn't feature Cesaro, so Daniel Bryan was like, come to the blue brand, we will treat you better. Unless you're going to act on it, all of this is just bogus. Do you think Daniel Bryan is ruffling feathers? I don't I don't think Daniel Bryan or Mick Foley are acting like the company men WWE would like them to be. Mm. Whether it's Mick Foley posting things about the main event for Hell in a Cell or the fact that he can't seem to remember what he is supposed to go out there and do on a week-to-week basis. Daniel Bryan's v- verbal skills have improved slightly, but they're not great. And then he's going on and tweeting all of these things. Unless it's part of the storyline, you know, WWE is going to have to come up with some sort of consistent social media policy. Either if you become a WWE superstar, we manage your Twitter and you're not allowed to tweet unless we approve it. Or I you know, I don't know because it just these things seem to keep happening and none of it ends well. Yeah. Those little remarks like well, about Cesaro it just sort of seems like to me like he's needling. Like I I don't I, it, yes, it fits his character. But it seems to me sooner or later somebody's going to get tired of that stuff. You know what's sad and is a telling point of the Cruiserweight division? That's how this all got started. Is we started talking about the Cruiserweight title match from Survivor Series and we spent the last 10 minutes talking about Baron Corbin and everyone but the Cruiserweight division. Yep. They haven't given us a reason to care about the cruiserweight division. I'm still excited for 205 Live, even if Rich Swan would not be the guy I would give a title match to on the first episode. Sure. But either way. When is the first episode? Right. Tuesday. All right. Literally day after tomorrow. Well, I'll try to watch that sometime. I won't be up for it right. while I live, but... Uh, that brings us to what I would say is the best match, hands down, from Survivor Series, and that would be the men's elimination match, Shane, Bray, Randy, Dean, and Styles versus Strowman, Rollins, Roman, Jericho, Owens. Sure. I thought it was, I thought it was excellent. I enjoyed 
pretty much every part of it, and I loved that Bray Wyatt got, quote-unquote, his big win, finally. Yeah, I'm not sure it's that big of a win, but, um, yeah. It's a win. It was. It was It's good. a win. It's a win in a major, you know, storyline, but it's not going to mean anything, as evidenced by the fact that he and Randy Orton are likely going to be the next tag team champions. Right. Uh, I did think his sister Abigail on Reigns coming out of that spear was pretty sick looking. I enjoyed that quite a bit. The entire match. Oh, I remembered the spot from the tag team match when Jason Jordan back body dropped Chad Gable and he got like, felt like 30 feet in the air. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, but anyways, uh, the match was great from start to finish. I thought there was a lot of great storytelling, the Bray Braun interaction. Um, I didn't care you know, for Elf. the Shield reunion. Really? Yeah, I thought that was a little... Forced? Forced, for sure. I thought it was fine. I, You know, I liked it. I didn't expect it. I, you know, I, I popped a little bit for it. Um, Says the man who was not watching when the shield was a thing. No, but just sure. the fact that they did it. Uh, I thought Ellsworth hiding... That was probably my favorite Ellsworth moment, was <sighs> hiding under the ring. Like... Like, he would be able to stop Braun Strowman from I getting know. I know! Braun would just pull him through the ring and into the ring. That was a good moment, though. That was. Do you think he was meant to, like, skid across all those tables? Or do you think they just weren't sure how far he could throw him? Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> Ellsworth tossing for distance. Yep. <laughs> um... But yeah, I you know I I thought it was great, and I I give a lot of credit to the talents involved and the people behind it. Um, Shane, that was that was a little scary. I guess so. Shane getting legit knocked out. I didn't realize he had been injured at all until I looked online. I think the next day. I, you know, at first I was like, okay, they stopped it. Interesting. Maybe that's the story they're telling. Then I saw, like, his eyes, and I was like, oh, yeah, no one currently is present. Yeah. Right I, I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. It just seemed normal well, to me. Roman Reigns was involved, so. Right. I mean, he got speared. It looked like he got destroyed. And I was like, all right, well, that's that then. You know, I, I didn't right. really recognize there was an issue. And speaking of spears, let's talk about the main event. We talked a little bit about this on A Private Earful. Um, you know, they talked and talked and talked about it being a four-hour show, and I think you made an excellent point that it made the swerve all that more meaningful. Uh, Goldberg squashed Brock Lesnar like Brock Lesnar was a 1990s WCW jobber. Yeah. It, <clears throat> did Brock Lesnar get any offense in at all? Yes, he... Hmm. Actually, pushed. I'm not sure. I think he might have, like, pushed him. I think Goldberg pushed Brock, though. Like, they went into the corner. There was, like, a lockup. They went into the corner. Goldberg shoved Lesnar to the ground. And then when Lesnar was getting up, he got speared. I'm not sure if he did get any offense in. It was... It was not at all what I expected. I expected... A couple of different possibilities. I think I expected Brock to do that to Goldberg. I never anticipated that Goldberg would dominate like that. And all the credit in the world to Paul Heyman, who at one point like gets down on his knees and is begging Bill Goldberg to stop. <laughs> 
He's just so good. I mean, um, our show before Survivor Series, I think I floated a theory saying, well, what if... You did. You did. You were on the couch and you you said it, and I, I gave you no consideration at all. Uh, and you were absolutely not wrong. But go ahead. Tell us about your genius theory there, Sage Doc Manson. Well, it simply was that... Perhaps the WWE had lost faith in Brock Lesnar as a special attraction. And if so, Bill Goldberg seemed like a pretty good torchbearer for that special attraction moniker. And this seemed like an opportune moment for that transfer to occur if that actually was what was going on you know, in the WWE. And I can't say for sure still if that's the case. It may very well just be that they see money in a Lesnar-Goldberg feud. Um, They thought this was the best way to accomplish that. But um, I don't know, man. I think think there's something more going on there. I I think Brock Lesnar is damaged goods to some extent. I think he is damaged goods, and I also wonder, and this is just wondering, whether or not the whole UFC thing kind of changed his long-term view of it. You know, I wonder if he was just, when that whole thing went down, if he was just like, you know what, I'm done. And now, granted, he, you know, he very well could be back. He could show up at the Rumble. They could wrestle at WrestleMania. But I I wonder if they, you know, it required them to change the plans because instead of perhaps sticking around to WrestleMania 34, he was like, you know what, I want to be done in April. I want to be done. I want to go back to Minnesota or Canada or wherever he lives, and I want to just disappear. And they had, you know, this was the way that they started to change the narrative because he looks very human right now. So it'll be interesting to see. But it was, you know, that was the most shocking end to a pay-per-view, perhaps since since Lesnar didn't beat Undertaker in the main event. Whenever Lesnar beat Cena, like, just, and dominated him. Yeah. Maybe that maybe it's that kind of thing um, that we're seeing here. I don't know what the future holds for Bill Goldberg. He'll be in the Rumble. I don't think he wins another title. Are you upset that... The Lesnar streak, all that heat, went to Goldberg and not to some new guy on the roster. Because that's a very common thing that I hear online. Not as much as I thought I would be. I made that argument a couple of different times, perhaps even on these airwaves at some point in the past. But I think enough time has gone by. Uh, The Undertaker continued wrestling and I think it might be for the best long term to take that sort of epics, you know, almost supernatural, mythic sort of streak and just have it go away. You know, I don't think wrestling in today's day and age is going to have that sort of thing anymore. You know, you're not going to have a super dominant guy who for 15 or 20 years is going to rule the landscape. So... You know, if Goldberg winds up losing to Roman Reigns or whomever he winds up, you know, it could be that he just wrestles Lesnar one more time and that's it. 
I don't know if they have a huge plan for who he's going to go to battle with. Um, Cena. Maybe. I'm still thinking Cena Undertaker's going to make sense, and the more I see and hear things, the more I wonder if it'll be for the 16th world title. Yeah, I just... um, The one thing that I think WWE has been very consistent about is not making new, quote-unquote, unproven guys... And by unproven, I don't mean in terms of talent. I mean in terms of being company men. Uh, I don't think they're interested in building up those unproven talents. I think they have shown that they want this sort of... I mean, and and that's not to say Lesnar's a company man per se. It's not to say that Goldberg is a company man per se. But these are two guys who have a ton of of fan adoration and who will work for cash. You know what I mean? It's not like these are day-in, day-out guys like Roman Reigns who, oh, you got a uh, wellness suspension on you. Oh, I don't know if we can trust you. Uh, you know, And admittedly, that didn't work out for Lesnar, right? But that was because of other circumstances. If he had just continued just being a WWE talent, they were never going to drug test him because of the way that policy works. So maybe they didn't see it as an issue for him. I don't know. I am reminded of way back when you and I were writing columns together. Yeah. Like in the same document. And I made the point about how WWE was burned with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. And if you follow from there, it happens more often than you think. And sometimes it's not, you know, anybody's fault, except maybe Seth Rollins. But, you know... (laughs) Finn Finn Balor makes his debut is a you know relative top draft pick shows up wins the universal title and then is injured and disappears. So any sort of positive momentum that they were trying to give into him blew up in their face. Roman Reigns gets suspended. Uh Seth Rollins gets injured. You know all of these things sort of seem to happen and I almost wonder if WWE feels like they can't continue to build these stars up because they get burned time after time after time after time and it's easier for them to go with these proven commodities whether it's a cash grab or not you know maybe that's why potentially we're heading down the road for Big Show and Shaq at Wrestlemania because it's a marquee quote unquote matchup that is likely not to disappear Right. So I don't know. No, I think there's something to that. All right. Uh, We have an email to read. Do you want us to do it now or do you want to save it for the, you know, this is kind of our catch-up show. I imagine we're going to have to do a TLC prediction and production show uh, in a few short days. So do you want to read the email now or do you want to wait? Might as well. All right there, Pav. Greetings from England. After hearing Doc's expert opinion on if Roman Reigns had broke his nose march, he would have had black eyes, I wonder if Ty Dillinger may have possibly hurt his nerves in his fingers over time at the lightning speed he does the 10 motion. But the main reason I'm here is to ask, do you think that with a mania that will have Big Show versus Shaq, not that I see it as a big match, but will be given such attention nevertheless, 
Then again, Big Show vs. Aki Bono went on second in 05. Maybe The Rock vs. Vin Diesel, possibly Cena vs. Taker, and a match for the WWE Championship, a title with so much prestige. How much uh, of how much of rub will it be if the Universal Championship went on last after all of these matches? So how much more prestige would the Universal Championship have being denoted as the main event over all those other matches that sound like they could be at the top of the card? All right. Uh, the goal in the next couple of years needs to be to establish the title on a par with the WWE Championship, which means not moving it to SmackDown in a couple of years, which I predict will happen. We saw what happened to the big gold belt when that happened. But speaking of the big gold belt, look what it did for it going on last at WrestleMania 20 and 21. I feel this has to be the case with Universal Title, with both the casual and hardcore fans watching Mania. This obviously depends on booking, whether it's Finn Balor winning the Rumble on the title against either a rampaging Brock following the Goldberg loss, or Kevin Owens, or someone completely differently, likely Roman Reigns. If a heel walks out champion, I don't expect it to close the show, but don't you think the more star-studded a card with Cena vs. Taker slash Styles, a possible Goldberg match, and the celebrity infusion, that the Universal title closing the show is just what it needs to establish it going forward, not go the 205 route, of the big gold belt. That will be its first WrestleMania, therefore the first acid test on how much the company prioritizes the title going forward. The pop. So again, as I summed up earlier, I think his question basically revolves around, wouldn't it be great for the Universal title to be solidified and made prestigious by being a main event status over all these other all these other matches on the card which have this potential star power, whether that be Hollywood star or WWE star. Uh, and I think, you know, there's something to that what do you think yes his point is valid it would be great for that to happen having said that it won't no why not by any stretch of the john's if john cena is wrestling the undertaker that will go on last, if not have an entirely separate WrestleMania just for that match. John Cena versus Undertaker, the two biggest stars of the last two decades who are still with the company. If even, and dare I say, the title could be on the line because there could be a picture painted which gets the Undertaker to have the title by the Royal Rumble. I can't see how you put anything else after that. I guess so. So that's that's why. You know, could it happen? Sure, but it, it would need to be a match. The competitors in the match would need to be such that they could overshadow Cena versus Undertaker. And, and if Cena versus Undertaker doesn't happen, whatever the matches therefore become. Are we going to end the show with Triple H versus Seth Rollins like we did this year's WrestleMania? Is that where we're headed? Or is it going to be Owens versus Jericho? Is that feud strong enough to perhaps you know, do that? Are we going to see Owens versus AJ Styles in some sort of champion versus champion sort of match? I mean, short of some sort of quote-unquote special attraction... Um, don't you think the Universal title being the belt of Raw goes on last period? Barring the special attractions? 
Maybe. But again, I think they would go for whatever the better story is. Even Cena versus AJ Styles, with Cena trying to win 16, going up against AJ, the guy who he can't seem to beat, is a better story than whatever they're doing with Kevin Owens. Unless Sami Zayn wins the Royal Rumble, and it's Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens in a Hell in a Cell match for the Universal title. If you want to tell me that story... Fine, that might be able to close the show, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know which title they've. You know, you could make the case that they value the universal title more because it's on Raw, but it's a giant red belt. I don't know that they really feel that way about that title as compared to you know. Neither title is being expertly held right now. You've got AJ Styles, who's losing to Ambrose. You've are not losing to Ambrose, losing to James Ellsworth. You've got Kevin Owens, who by and large is Chris Jericho's running buddy. Neither champion looks super strong right now. Are you, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being completely unsatisfied, 10 being, you know, oh yeah, so good! Uh, how satisfied are you with Kevin Owens' style reign? Three, but it was a two before he wrestled Seth Rollins on Monday. I don't think your numbers are far off from where I am either. You know, maybe I could, maybe if I sat back and actually thought about what he's done since then, maybe I'd go up to a four. Uh, but at the same time, and again, I, we don't have time for it on this particular episode. My thoughts on AJ Styles' title run are about there too, if not even a little. Less. Yeah. I you know, and I wonder if that's where we're you know, I wonder if that's not by design. Is WWE heading to a place where the titles don't matter as much as whatever the company storyline is? That's always been the case, really. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, they kind of wove it in a little bit more. You know, Seth Rollins was the world champion and part of the authority. The only time I have ever seen the main event titles this discounted in the overarching storyline would have to be CM Punk's title reign. And maybe that's it. These Neither of these guys are WWE-grown talents. So maybe that's it. Yes, they'll be our champion, but no, we're not going to try super hard to make them a big deal. I think it's really weird. You've got Kevin Owens, who is this great prize fighter champion type character, and they're just doing nothing with him. All the stuff with Jericho is very entertaining, but Jericho is not whom he is feuding with. No. And again, like I said, if that's where they're headed, if that's where we're going, if we're setting up to a WrestleMania match between Owens and Jericho and maybe Owens retires Jericho for good, okay, then this all kind of makes sense. But I don't know that that's where we're going. Me neither. Like, this, they could just continue to be friends for a while. You know, I heard that Jericho has adjusted his touring schedule so that he's going to stay with WWE until WrestleMania. So maybe Owens eliminates, you know, again, there's many ways for this to happen. Jericho could win the Rumble, goodness knows, and, you know, wind up that the friendship ends that way. I don't know. But 
you know, I it it is weird that the champions are I can't even say that they're afterthoughts, but they're not, you know, fighting all comers. They're not taking on top challengers on a regular basis. I think AJ Styles feels very much like a competent champion on SmackDown as opposed to Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens very much feels like an afterthought. AJ Styles, I think, is doing actually a pretty good job. The only caveat to that is this entire build-up to Survivor Series has been obviously lackluster. And, Mm -hmm. okay, so he's facing James Ellsworth a lot recently. But if anything, I think they've done a really good job of establishing James Ellsworth. I will say the the problem is not with Styles. It's with the competition surrounding Styles. You know, if you were to pick... You're, you know, if if WWE went the route of like the NWA back in the day, where they actually had a legitimate top ten contenders, your top five contenders, two of them are wrestling for the tag team titles. One of them, you know, I guess you're in a Continental Champion, kind of counts, but there's no one else. It's Ambrose and literally no one else that's in the running hunting after Styles' title. I suppose not at the moment, but I will say that show is built around Styles as the champion. It's built around... You are absolutely correct. As opposed to Raw, Raw, which is not built around Owens. Raw is not necessarily built around Owens. Okay, that's a fair point, and I concede it. All right, well, thank you, Pav. Yes, it would be good for the Universal title, but I find it hard to visualize a situation where the Universal title gets to go on last. I think it's much more likely that that opens WrestleMania rather than closes WrestleMania. Hmm. All right. All right there, Doc Manson. Give me a piece of positivity. What's What's been good in the wrestling world? What's been good in your world? What's good in the life of the good doctor uh, heading into December? I don't know. Um, everything's been all right, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, you had some time off. Did you have to work Friday? No, I took Friday off. Um, I mean, I did so have you've to had work a long weekend, but I took it off. Yes, but um, you've had a long weekend. That's nice. Yeah, oh, it's nice and relaxing. I don't want to go back to work tomorrow. That's for sure. Um, Neither do I. I did pick up over the um, you know the, the sales that happened this weekend. I did pick up an Apple TV. An actual Apple TV, or like, is that the device that allows you to stream? It's their little or... streaming box thing. Okay, it's not literally Apple's not making television. No, it's called Apple TV. Um, so that means I can theoretically watch me some Lucha Underground on my television the first few seasons if I were to purchase them now. So that's good. You now know what to get Doc Manson for the holidays is pick him up an <laughs> iTunes gift card so he can get himself some uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, I bought uh, some really comfortable sweatpants. I, I don't own sweatpants. I don't remember the last time I did own sweatpants, but they were cheap and they were comfortable. Um, let me see. I'm I'm looking forward to this is kind of a, a you know, I'm predicting some positivity. Uh, I am looking forward to watching this ECW Unleashed show that was on WWE Network after Raw. Tommy Dreamer's part of it. Bubba oh, Ray that Dudley's untold part story of it. thing? Hame. Yes, yes. I think that's strange uh, because they've had so many documentaries. They have. 
They brought Taz back in, which I think is interesting. I'm not a huge fan of Taz, but I'm looking forward to watching that. I'll probably watch that a little later today. So, uh, you know, I enjoy that WWE Network continues to provide us with historical content, which I appreciate. Yes, absolutely. All right there, friends. Uh, Thanks for joining us on this week in DDT Wrestling. As you know, if you would like to be a part of the show like the POV, uh, you can write to us at DDTWrestling at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, uh, at Doc Manson, at DC Matthews NAI. Uh, I believe the Black Friday sale is still going on. Don't quote me on that, but hopefully you uh, took advantage of that sale, got yourself some sweet, sweet NAI Network merchandise, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash New Age Insiders. Uh, write us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends. I told a friend. Uh, a new friend, well, no, an old friend, about uh, our podcasting venture and tried to get him more interested in the world of wrestling. We'll see if it worked or not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, word of mouth is how we grow, so please use your mouths to... <laughs> to what, DC? Well, help us grow, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an interesting few weeks there, Doc Manson. It's been an interesting few weeks. Anything else you'd like to say before we head on out into that good night? You know that I do. Okay, what is it? Join me for my latest venture on twitch.tv forward slash Doc Manson. And watch the good doctor play some video games. And uh, keep your eyes peeled, or your ears peeled, for, uh, what's it called? Doc Manson presents Social Eats! Social Eats. Social all right. Please follow along with everything Doc Manson does. His he really needs you hey, to help him feel special. Where is Nerd DC been? I was wondering that the other day. I, I had an idea for a Goldberg song for Jason, and it just fell by the wayside. I do need to gear up because I have some plans for WrestleMania uh, that I would like to do some things. So I, I'll have to dig D- Nerd DC out of uh, the hole he's been hiding in. And see uh, if the muse strikes him. All right. But good question. Good question. Good question. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. Until we meet again, my friends, we will see you around the neighborhood. <laughs>